It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Thursday, September 17th. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Tuesday, Raven News hosted the first of three municipal candidate forums. It's a two-way race for the mayor's chair this year. Stephen Eisenbeis is an assembly member and current deputy mayor. His term is up this year. He's running against incumbent mayor Gary Paxton. KCAW spoke with both candidates about a variety of issues facing local government. Perhaps the assembly's most important job is approving the city's budget. Both candidates said next year will be tough to navigate for whomever is elected. Given additional challenges COVID-19 and a slow tourism season will have on the city's bottom line. Here's Stephen Eisenbeis, followed by Gary Paxton. We need to prioritize what our, what our citizens are actually going to need, what we can live without and what we absolutely need as a town. Um, you know, schools, public safety, those are things that, that are essential for our town. So those are going to have to continue. What, what can we live without? I, I, I don't know. Uh, there, there needs to be a lot of conversation around that, though, in, in what can we potentially forego for a year in order to, to make ends meet here? Because the last thing that anybody wants to hear right now is an assembly that looks at raising rates. We'll know in the next month or two how short we are in the 2020 budget, but we're probably going to be three or $4 million short. So one way you can control the cost of those uh, budgets is, as Steve mentioned, uh, really trying to be wise about how you do infrastructure. Having said that, our infrastructure is 50, 40, and 50 years old, and if you delay it, it's going to end up costing you more. So there's a balance. The candidates answered questions ranging from the Assembly's role in public health to police department oversight to addressing systemic racism in Sitka. They're limited to two minutes per answer. You can watch the full forum on kcaw.org. Tonight at 6.30, reporter Catherine Rose will speak with candidates running for Sitka Assembly. The Sitka Economic Development Association's annual Innovation Summit was short on bodies but long on ideas. The annual gathering is designed to brainstorm ideas for bolstering Sitka's economy, but with sunny skies and unseasonably warm September weather, few storms materialized. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. There were a grand total of seven people online and a handful in person for the 2020 Economic Summit, an event that in pre-pandemic times has packed the main room at Harrigan Centennial Hall. But that didn't make it a non-event. The Economic Summit, like its counterpart, the Sitka Health Summit, historically has generated ideas that have gotten traction, including developing a new seaplane base, coming up with a development plan for the no-name mountain area, and the rebranding of Sitka. This year's event also included some grand designs. Longtime resident Jerry Christner recalled a time when Southeast communities managed their own solid waste, rather than barging everything to a landfill in eastern Washington at great expense. He proposed resurrecting incineration, but with a twist. If we had a barge with an incinerator on it, we could position it wherever we wanted to. It wouldn't have to necessarily be too close to where people live. And we could dig, deal with solid waste ourselves. Christner suggested that Sitka could invest in several incineration barges fueled by liquid natural gas, that could be rotated to communities around the region, basically cornering the market in regional solid waste management. But pains would have to be taken to keep Sitka's air and water pristine. With fires burning across the Pacific Northwest, Christner also thought now was the time to position Sitka as a perfect location for the remote employee. A lot of people working at home, they could just as easily work up here, bring their high-paid employees up here and I think uh, 
it's good timing. It's just an opportunity for a place like Sitka, like us, to aggressively go after new new businesses, new sources of employment, and so forth. Sitka Chamber of Commerce Director Rachel Roy agreed that Sitka was a unique work environment. The town had a collaborative attitude toward young people entering the workforce that could be cultivated, not to mention three high schools and a university campus. It may be through higher education, it may be through skills training, it may be through apprenticeship programs, um, but we have just such a uh, supportive and collaborative community already that being able to bring up and to encourage people that maybe they've been an admin assistant level for all their career, what could they be doing to to move up into that? And that frees up that next person to get into that admin position, and it, it creates a stronger workforce. Roy also brought up the global pilot shortage. Although the pandemic has hit aviation hard, there were still untapped opportunities for regional flying and for the people needed to fly the planes. Getting the students at Mount Edgecombe and Sitka High and Pacific to get excited about flying and then offering like a flight school in Sitka where we could teach them and then they could go home and be the pilot for their small community. Other members of the audience seconded the idea of more development of vocational training in Sitka. Sitka Economic Development Association Director Gary White expressed appreciation for all the ideas brought to the summit, albeit by only a few people. He realized that he was starting from behind the goal line. Well, uh, I learned something here today is to not hold a, a, a vent during a pandemic on a sunny day. White said the CETA board would gather in person and via Zoom on September 29th to consider the ideas at the summit and to vote on whether they should be advanced. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. Commercial salmon trolling shuts down this weekend in most of southeast Alaska based on a weak catch of coho salmon. The summer troll fishery closes just before midnight on Sunday, September 20th. The Alaska Department of Fish and Game reports that some indicator stocks around southeast are barely meeting or not meeting escapement goals. The total harvest by all gear groups just topped 800,000 coho this month and looks to finish around half of the 20-year average. Most of that is caught by the troll fleet, which has a total catch of just over 700,000. That's the second lowest on record in 32 years. One bright spot for the silver catch, the price for troll caught coho, just over $2 a pound, is equal to last year's and above the five-year average. Some trolling remains open around hatchery sites. The winter season for king salmon starts October 11th. While the commercial salmon fisheries in southeast Alaska are looking down this year, that's not the case for Dungeness crab. The summer season's harvest ended up being the second highest on record. However, as KFSK's Angela Denning reports, the value of the fishery was not a record breaker. The commercial season for Dungeness crab ran for two months, June 15th to August 15th. Fishermen brought in a total of just over 5.8 million pounds of crab. Joe Stratman leads crab management in Southeast for the Alaska Department of Fish and Game. What was taken this summer uh, is more than double uh, the previous 10-year average. The summer harvest was so good that it's higher than nearly all other full-season harvests, which also include the fall and winter fisheries except for the record year of 2002 to 2003. Managers knew that it was going to be a good season after the first week. Fishermen had already brought in just over a million and a half pounds, which was a record. This is the um, largest harvest on record uh, for the first seven days of the fishery. By comparison, the average harvest during the first week in the past decade has been 772,000 pounds. There were also more fishermen than usual participating in the fishery this summer, with 192 permit holders fishing. 
The 10-year average is 147 permits. Even though the summer harvest of Dungeness crab was the second highest on record, the value of the fishery was less than many other years. This summer, the average price was $1.67 per pound. That's about a dollar less per pound than the 10-year average price. The total value of this summer's fishery was $9.81 million. That's about $3 million less than last year, which had an average price of $3.01 per pound. Stratman says it was still a good value year, but it could have been far better if prices were closer to normal. Total value-wise, um, you know, it, it exceeds the previous 10-year average, you know, due to the fact that harvest poundage was so high. Uh, but uh, the average price of $1.67 this year is uh, less than the 10-year average. The state doesn't track individual weights of Dungeness crab, but Stratman says fishermen reported crab were high quality this summer. I have heard anecdotally from fishermen that, that individual weight on the crab and crab size was larger than usual. By every indication, um, I heard that crab quality was quite good. With the summer season ending close to the record, managers predict that the full season has a chance of breaking the record. Using figures from the start of the season, they estimate a total season harvest of 6.61 million pounds. To break the record, it has to surpass 7.3 million pounds from the year 2002 to 2003. It's, um, it's possible. The fall and winter Dungeness fisheries typically produce 20 to 25 percent of the total season's harvest. The fall season opens on October 1st for all of Southeast. Most of the region will close November 30th. In Petersburg, I'm Angela Denning. Residents in Ketchikan woke up to hazy skies Wednesday. National Weather Service forecaster Brian Caffrey says that haze is smoke from wildfires burning on the west coast of the lower 48. There's been a low off of uh, Washington that's been uh, spinning. That's what's helped uh, pull it up north into British Columbia and finally just got in this morning to Dixon Entrance in the southern panhandle. Wildfire smoke has shattered records for poor air quality in Oregon, Washington, and California. But here in Alaska, Caffrey says the smoke is forecast to remain suspended in the atmosphere over the southern panhandle Wednesday. That means it's not anticipated to be a health hazard. Preliminary data from a Juneau air quality monitor run by the Alaska Department of Environmental Conservation places the area's air quality in the good category. That means little to no risk to human health. Satellite model data from company IQ Air says the same for southern southeast. Caffrey says the smoke likely won't get as far north as the central panhandle. We do have a front approaching uh, tomorrow night. Not looking to bring any precip down to the southern panhandle uh, till maybe Friday, but that'll help uh, push everything back down south and east. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. This is morning.